Awesome. <laughs> hey guys, good morning. Uh, I came up too early from the bumper video, but it's all good. Hey, for those of you guys that are joining us online, good morning and welcome. Half a day, family. Uh, my name is Jarrett Gallardo. I'm one of the leaders here at Life in the Sun, and um, I have a privilege to share a message with y'all. The message is going to cover Genesis chapter 35. We've got a lot of ground to cover, like a lot of ground. So I hope y'all got your thinking caps on and you guys are ready because uh, we're going to be covering some scripture and we're going to be looking at the life of Jacob. We are in week five of this awesome God series and today we're going to be focusing on Almighty uh, God. God Almighty, the El Shaddai. And so we're going to look at that. We're going to look at the life of Jacob and how God's presence transformed um, through in the midst of all of Jacob's struggle and into some purpose. So there was struggle that Jacob had during his life, and we're going to see how God transformed all of that into purpose. And so before I continue to talk, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer one additional time. Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to come and hear a message from you. God, I pray that you would ready our hearts. Father God, ready our hearts to receive from your scripture. And Lord, would this message land on good ground. Father God, whatever happened throughout this week, we leave it at the altar. And God, we come to you with expectant hearts. Lord, I pray that I would get out the way and that this message from your word of God would, would go forth and that you would decrease, increase as I decrease, God. Father, have your way in this service and Holy Spirit prepare our hearts. We ask this all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right. Oh, you know what? I said at first service, I'll say it again this second service too. Uh, I just want to thank any of the ladies who uh, helped uh, with Liz's baby shower yesterday. Um, Liz had a surprise baby shower. Uh, Nicole and ladies, thank you guys. We love you guys. We're having our third baby. Um, yes. <laughs> Glory to God. So. Um, thank you, ladies, for, for praying for our family. Uh, Liz is doing good, baby's doing good, and we deliver uh, at the end of next month. So, yes. All right. So, have you guys broken anything? I have. Um, and let me tell you guys about something that I broke. It was a, I'm in the military, you guys know I'm in the Air Force, and so when one of our members leave, we give them a parting gift. And so, one of our members was leaving, we were giving a parting gift and somebody came with this plaque. And this plaque wasn't like the normal typical gifts that we give. This one was like a, I thought it looked like a trinket. And so I thought it was like very homemade. It wasn't like the traditional gifts that we normally give. Somebody asked my opinion and they were like, hey, what do you think? And I was like, I don't like it. And my opinion was not taken well at all. They actually told me, okay, well, since you don't like it, go ahead and find one. So I was like, oh man, okay. So um, I received that gift that I thought was like an arts and crafts, more like a trinket. And then I went to the trophy store and I had one working that was a more traditional gift. Your name, the years that you worked, a thank you for your service, and then boom. So I got that one cooking and then I got this really uh, arts and craft one. So with the arts and craft one, I was like, okay, I'll make this one work too. So I got some pictures, some team pictures, went to 17-minute photo, started printing them out, cutting them together. I'm adding glue and stuff to this thing that already has hot glue on it. And I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm doing it. 
And so I spend like almost half my Saturday constructing this gift for one of our team members who is going to his next place. Well, the day before we go to have the celebratory lunch, the thing breaks. That thing smashed, the glass broke, the frame broke, and I was like, oh man. So I'm trying to glue it back together, liquid nails, Gorilla Glue, asking Liz what we got. None of it is working. The thing is a mess and it's unrepairable. And so thankfully, we were able to also get that other one rolling at the trophy shop. So the guy didn't even know. He got a gift, was so thankful for it that he even got a gift, and he had no clue about the other one that broke. But he got the gift and departed to his next place. And so I tell that story because we're going to be looking at the life of Jacob and how Jacob's story is filled with, man, um, brokenness. He ends up deceiving some people that are really in his family, his brother, his dad, his kids do crazy things. And so there's a lot of brokenness in Jacob's family. But in the end, uh, Jacob responds with a devotion to God. And I want to focus on that. So the title of our message is God Almighty. God Almighty. And a quick recap of Genesis. Genesis 1 to 11, that is a historical account of the beginning of all of humanity. And then in 12 to 36, these are patriarchal narratives. It covers uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and stories of their lives and their families. And then Genesis chapters 36 to 50 covers the story of Joseph. Joseph was one of Jacob's uh, 12 sons. Jacob had 12 sons that we're going to talk about in a little bit, but Joseph was one of them. And so here we have Genesis 12 all the way to Genesis 50. The Bible recalls these stories of God pursuing and blessing the family of Abraham because from that family, from the line of David, is going to come Jesus. And so this family is going to be preserved. And so a little bit more about that family. Abraham and Sarah had Isaac. Isaac and Rebekah had Jacob. Jacob had a twin brother. His name was Esau. Jacob had 12 sons who are the 12 tribes of Israel. They were birthed by two wives and also birthed by two concubines. And so the next picture shows like a lineage um, all the way from Abraham all the way down to Jesus at the bottom. But we're going to be focusing on right in the middle, um, Israel, also known as before he got the name change, Jacob. And so I believe that in in order to fully understand some of Jacob's struggle that we're going to read about in Genesis chapter 35, I got to do a quick recap over Genesis 25 all the way to 35. So if you're with me, let's do this. Um, Genesis 25, this is where Jacob is born. Him and Esau are born. They're twins. Esau was the first one to come out of mama. Jacob was second. Also in Genesis 25, Esau sold his birthright. In Genesis 27, Jacob steals the firstborn blessing from his blind dad, Isaac. In Genesis 28, Jacob flees because he's scared Esau is going to kill him. God meets him at a city called Luz. Jacob renames that city Luz to Bethel. Genesis 29, Jacob flees to Laban, his uncle. Laban says, you can come with me. He ends up seeing Rachel. He wants to marry Rachel. Laban tricks him after seven years of service and gives him Leah and says, hey, if you want Rachel, you got to work for another seven years. So then he works for another seven years and then ends up also marrying Rachel. In Genesis 30, 
Rachel gives a concubine to, to Jacob, and also Leah gives a concubine to Jacob. They were trying to see uh, who, had, who can have more children. Um, Genesis 31, there was this uncle and father-in-law uh, feud. Between, it's like a rivalry between Laban and between Jacob. Then in Genesis chapter 32, Jacob prepares himself to meet Esau after all these years. He thinks Esau is going to kill him as soon as he sees him, like kill him sight on scene. Uh, but that doesn't happen. Also in Genesis 32, Jacob ends up wrestling with a god or an angel or a man. It doesn't say explicitly God, but it says a man whose face was shown like God. So uh, uh, 32, he ends up wrestling with this angel. In 33, Jacob meets Esau and they don't fight. They actually embrace each other. They're good. They end up crying, kissing each other. They meet each other's families. Uh, Genesis 34, Jacob's only daughter. He had 12 sons and he had one daughter, Dinah. Dinah ends up getting raped by a prince, uh, a Hivite prince. And so two of his, Jacob's sons, um, they make a fake covenant contract of circumcision with the Hivites. They say, hey, if all of your men uh, circumcise themselves, we'll make a covenant with you. You can have our, um, our sister that you raped. And they do that. And when they're healing from their circumcision, the two sons go into the city and kill all the able men in the whole city. And so Jacob's like, oh man, what did my sons do? Finally, in 35, right after the sons destroy and kill all of the people in the city, all the men, they, uh, God tells Jacob, get out of there, go back to Bethel, get rid of any idols, because sometimes when people pillage the city, they took everything that they had with them uh, like gold and maybe statues and things. Um, God said, get rid of all the idols, bury them. And here we have this sermon from Genesis 35, 9 to 15. Also at the end of 35, uh, Rachel, one of his wives, passes away, and Isaac, their father, also passes away. So, here we are in Genesis chapter 35, and we're picking it up at verse 9. You can look on the screen or also open your Bibles here we are. Let's go. Genesis 35, chap, uh, 35, beginning at verse 9. It says, God appeared to Jacob again after he returned from Padan Aram. He blessed him. God said to him, your name is Jacob. You will no longer be named Jacob, but, you, but your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. Verse 11, God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation, indeed an assembly of nations, will come from you. Kings will descend from you. I will give you the land that I gave Abraham and Isaac. I will give you the land to your future descendants. Verse 13 says, God withdrew from him at that place where he had spoken to him. Jacob set up a marker at that place where he had spoken to him, a stone marker. He poured a drink offering on it poured oil on it, and Jacob named the place where God had spoken to him, Bethel. So point number one in this message is God Almighty's mission is not determined by our past. Genesis 35.10, it says this, God said to him, your name is Jacob. You will no longer be named Jacob, but your name will be Israel. So he named him Israel. Our past does not determine our future. Can I get a hallelujah, amen, somebody? Amen, right? Our past doesn't determine our future. But let's look a little bit about the meaning of Jacob's name and a little bit about his past. 
Jacob's birth. All right, he was born in Genesis chapter 25. That's where the story is. Verse number 26, Jacob came out number two baby. He was a twin. And his literal name means heel grabber. Heel grabber, also deceiver. So can you imagine naming your child deceiver? Like, like come on. Like, um, we got to put a little bit more thought into, into names nowadays. Okay, so his name was heel grabber and deceiver. That's what it meant when you translated it. So in Genesis 27, Jacob lies to his blind dad, um, Isaac, in order to steal a blessing. And then in, turn, in Genesis chapter 25, he cheated Esau out of his birthright for a meal. So here we, we see that in uh, Genesis 25, Esau was tricked by requesting a delicious meal. And then also in Genesis chapter 27, their blind old Isaac, dad Isaac now, was also tricked with a meal. So here's some advice from the pulpit. Don't sell your birthright or sell your home uh, for a meal. <laughs> so I was thinking, saying first service, like, can you imagine, hey, Par, if you give me some karung pika or some bistec with some red rice, I'll give you my whole house. Like, can you imagine that, that contract? Like, what kind of a thing? Like, Isaac and Esau were both deceived by food. And so, that is not the point. That was just some additional advice. But the point here is that God Almighty's mission is not determined by whatever happened in our past. Remember, his name meant heel grabber, deceiver. But he is now being named, that's what he was known for, now being named Israel. What's the meaning of Israel? I'm glad you asked. All right, let's look. Go back with me to Genesis chapter 32. In Genesis chapter 32, that's where Jacob was wrestling God. And so there's a picture on the screen of, you know, Almighty God and little Jacob wrestling God. And this is what it seemed like. But Jacob was so determined to be blessed. He lied to his dad. He lied to his twin brother. And he's like, you will bless me. I'm, I'm going to get this blessing. And here he is wrestling with this angel or with God. And he is like, God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. He is determined and demanding of God. I'm not letting you go until you bless me. So, you know, here's God. They're wrestling. It's, it's morning now. And Jacob is not letting this angelic being go. He's, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. So finally what happens is the angel says, fine, I will bless you. He changes his name from Jacob in, in chapter 32, from Jacob to Israel. And then he does one thing before he leaves. He touches his hip socket. His hip gets broken. So Jacob has to limp all the way to the other city that he's going back to. Um, in this wrestling match with God. And so the name, Israel, it comes from the Hebrew verb meaning to struggle, to strive, or to contend. So it could mean Israel, God will struggle, or God may struggle. But this is a wordplay because in verse 32, when Jacob is first named Israel, that's when he's actually wrestling or struggling with God. So his name was tied to his struggle or his wrestling with God. And that's what Israel means, struggle or wrestle with God. And so there are other people who had name changes throughout the Bible. 
Jacob was the third person to have a name change in the Bible. First name change was Abram to Abraham. Second name change, Sarai to Sarah. Third name change, Jacob to Israel. We see in the New Testament, we see Simon to Peter. We see Saul to Paul. We see Jared to Randy. I'm just seeing if you guys are awake. I'm just kidding. Um, you guys are awake. That's awesome. All right, so all throughout the Bible, we see name changes, right? When people have a significant encounter with the Lord, um, God changes their name. And so here we have a significant encounter in Genesis 32. Jacob is wrestling with God. God says, okay, your name is no longer Jacob. You will be called Israel or one who struggles or wrestles with God. And so, how many of you guys know that Jacob's story can really be our own story? When we're looking at this and we see, man, Jacob, he lied a little bit in his life. He lied to his family or Jacob was just self-centered. He was pursuing all of these vain pursuits, trying to get blessings for himself. He was demanded a blessing from his dad. He demanded a blessing from his brother and from God. And so these are all self-centered, vain pursuits. And so um, that is actually not where we want to go. We don't want to set boundaries from where, where God to operate. Instead of self-centeredness, we want to die to self and allow the Holy Spirit, God, right? You can have all of me and let it be none of me. If we can get to that place, man, that is where we need to be. And so here we learn from Jacob, right? Not to set boundaries for God, not to be self-centered, but we're learning. Okay, God, I surrender all to you. Amen? Amen. Um, I wanted to tell a story about how I was also deceiving in school. Um, take you back to my nursing school. There were a few times, like for the first half of my nursing school career, I had no clue what was going on. And so a few of my friends, we would cheat and lie through these quizzes. We would be like anatomy and physiology class, like number C, number C for number 20. Like crazy stuff like that. We would cheat for these quizzes. And, and I was deceiving, you know, my teacher, myself. We thought we were slick, you know, like, you know, making little notes and like, no, you know, throwing up gang signs for the, for the, for the answers. But man, I was not slick. My friends weren't slick. We were dumb because we were ill-prepared and not ready for the exam. We should have, right, took more time to study and set apart that time instead of playing around to actually get into the textbooks and get into the Word. Instead, we're over here trying to cheat the system and be like deceivers. And so I wanted to tell you that that's how I was, but man, it was pricking at my heart for a while. So we rearranged our tactics, and what we did was I was like, okay, God, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to get kicked out of nursing school, or I'm not going to learn anything, so this isn't, this isn't right. So okay, new tactic was we're just going to study all the time. So all we did was study. We spent the night at our friends' houses. We had like slumber study parties, and we slept in our vehicles on the campus, and then we would wake up and then go take an exam. It was crazy. And so finally, after nursing school, I have to take this six-hour proctored exam for my nursing license board, and it was the craziest exam I've ever had, and um, thank God that I passed. And um, yeah, man, uh, glory to God. But, but man, I was a little bit like Jacob, like deceitful in, in nursing school, like in the beginning, like, 
okay, we're going to cheat our way, but then stuff started not making sense eventually, and so we're like, okay, we can't just cheat anymore. We're going to have to learn. And so we ended up learning. Praise God. Um, I wanted to share that story because when we die to our self-centeredness, God is faithful to uphold promises that he has for us. And so when I died to self-centeredness and, okay, I'm going to cheat through school, God upheld his promise and was like, you know what? I'm going to help you pass nursing school. I'm going to give you the wisdom that you need to understand some of these complex things. And so God is faithful to keep his promise. I mean, it says it in Hebrews 10, 23, to let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, without wavering, since he who promised is faithful. God is faithful and he will, will keep his promises. And he doesn't, he doesn't do this. He doesn't hold his past over you. So God isn't saying, Jared, you know, that deceiver from nursing school. But no, what God sees me is he sees the blood of Jesus over my life. And he says, Jarrett, my son who has been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. He doesn't know me by my past. And we shouldn't be, you know, let our past deceive us because God isn't hanging your past over your head like some um, thing that he's reminding you constantly about. God doesn't remind us of our past. But he sees Jesus and he sees an exchanged life. Amen? All right. Point number one was God Almighty's mission is not determined by our past. Point number two is God Almighty is reaffirming. Is reaffirming. We get this from Genesis 35, 11 to 12. It says, God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation, indeed an assembly of nations, will come from you. Kings will descend from you. And I will give you the land that I gave Abraham and Isaac. I will give you the land to your future descendants. So here, God is telling Jacob that he is El Shaddai. Finally, he's telling Jacob what his name is. He says, I am El Shaddai. I am God Almighty. Because if, if we recall, in Genesis chapter 28, God tells us that Jacob that I am the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac notice it doesn't say Abraham Isaac and Jacob it only says I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and then in Genesis chapter 32 when he's wrestling with God as he's wrestling with him he's like what's your name and then God or the angelic being is like why do you need to know my name and he's like what's your name God never tells him, God never tells Jacob his name. He never fulfills that request. But he does bless him and change Jacob's name. So finally, in Genesis chapter 35, God introduces himself to Jacob. And what does he say? I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. So he is telling Jacob, hey, I am the true God, the sovereign God over all things. That uh, name, El Shaddai, El is from the Semitic languages, meaning God, and Shaddai is from the Akkadian language, meaning mountain, because they believe that's where the gods were. They lived on the mountains. So El Shaddai together is God Almighty. That's how we get the Old Testament Hebraic translation, God Almighty El Shaddai. And so El Shaddai, or God Almighty, that means the true God, God who is over and above all. Amen? So here's a little bit more about God Almighty. When God is, oh, when God says, be fruitful 
and multiply. He's not giving a command here to Jacob to say, hey, be fruitful, multiply, have more kids, because Jacob already has all these children by this time. He has 12 kids and he has Dinah. But what he is aligning Jacob with, remember, he's aligning Jacob with the Abrahamic covenant. So he is aligning Jacob now with Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob. So when he is saying, uh, be fruitful and multiply, a nation will come from you, that's because from Jacob and from the, the line of David, as we saw on that, um, that last lineage outline, was that that's where we're going to get Jesus. And so God is now uh, reinstating Jacob and reaffirming his position in this covenant. Interestingly, God used to say, right, I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac in Genesis 28. What we're going to see from this point in Scripture onward is that God now says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You'll see that in, in the Old Testament um, and also in the New Testament now that Jacob has been aligned with the Abrahamic covenant. He is, he is now referred to, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Whereas before, God was just saying, I'm the God of your fathers, or I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac, but now he's encountered God and he says, I am the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, and also Jacob. Because from that line, that's where we're going to get a Savior. Amen? All right. When we see that God is reaffirming his promises to Jacob, this is where Jacob is given no kidding, legitimate purpose for his life. Jacob is now starting to have purpose and provision for his life when he is named and reaffirmed in this line of promise. And so when I think about our lives and, you know, the vain pursuits that we have, I don't know how old Jacob was at this point in time when God is reaffirming a promise with him, when Jacob dies to self and said, God, I'm no longer going to do this on my own, no longer my self-centeredness, but I'm going to pursue you and I surrender to you. I don't know how old Jacob was, but I know how old I am right now. I'm 36. The average lifespan of a human is like, what, 72, 75 years old? I'm almost halfway there. And so I got to thinking like, holy cow, like, man, okay, here's Jacob. And it took him this however long to stop pursuing self-centeredness, stop pursuing me, 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 bless me, you will bless me, I'm going to lie, I'm going to cheat. And here I am, I'm 30, 36 years old now, and so I'm almost halfway there at the halfway point of my life. And so I don't want my life to just be a bunch of vain pursuits that in the end when I die, nothing is going to heaven, amen? None of it, we're not taking any of this with us. And it got me to thinking about this verse, Matthew 16, 26. What will it benefit someone if he gains the whole world yet loses his life? Or what will anyone give in exchange for his life? So if we lose our soul, and here we are, like I'm, I'm halfway here, so it got me reflecting. All right, Jacob is doing a lot of self-centeredness, a lot of bless me, bless me, but here he is. He's been renamed by God. He is surrendering to God, and he's saying, God, okay, God, no longer me. You've reaffirmed your promise in me, so now I'm surrendering to you. That's what Jacob's response was. And so I hope that our response when we're looking at the life of Jacob and however much the average lifespan is, 72, 75 years old. Man, some of us, 
We may not even make it that far. I was telling the first service, we might go home and choke on a KFC biscuit. You know what I mean? Like, who knows? Like, we're not promised tomorrow. So with our lives today, we need to die to this self-centeredness or putting God in a boundary, right? And say, God, none of me, but all of you, like Jacob did. This leads us to our third and final point, which is Jacob's devotion. Point number one was God Almighty's mission is not determined by our past. Point number two, God Almighty is reaffirming. And point number three, God Almighty is met with devotion. Genesis 35, 14 to 15. Jacob set up a marker at that place where he had spoken to him, a stone marker. He poured a drink offering on it and poured oil on it. Jacob named that place where God had spoken with him Bethel. So Jacob responded to God and he memorialized that place. He remembered that place. He internalized it. What we have here is when we we have Jacob now giving his resolution. He is resolved and, and now making a devotion towards God in this act of setting up this stone pillar and making an offering upon it. The conflict during this whole time that we've been talking has been Jacob, his known as a heel grabber or a deceiver, lying to his dad and lying to his brother. The climax was Jacob wrestling with God, and here he is, he's, he's, he's demanding, God, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And then finally in 32 and in 35, Jacob's fully surrendered now. He's no longer known as Jacob. He's known as Israel, the one who wrestles with God. And so he has resolved in his heart to make a devotion to God. So he sets up this pillar and he puts rocks and he has an offering, a sacrifice offering on there. And so this was all a form of worship. We, we worship in many ways. We worship through tithes. We worship through songs and singing. But our lives are a living worship, a living sacrifice, as it says in Romans 12.1. So um, my hope is that we can see Jacob's devotion to God Almighty, El Shaddai, and how he was resolved in his heart to be devoted to God and turn from his self-centeredness and say, God, no, you know what? I'm going to memorialize this place right now, and I'm going to put this stone Uh, place here I'm going to sacrifice to you and and pour pour an oil and a drink offering out and that's what Jacob did and so um, in all of Jacob's struggles right the struggles when he was working for 14 to 20 years uh, for his uncle Laban to with his with his daughter who was um, raped with his two boys who went into the whole village and killed all of the able men all of these tragic things to the strained relationship that he had with his dad and brother for lying to them, all of those things, through all of those things, God never left Jacob. He never left him. And and so, through all of our struggles, through all of our circumstances, I am telling you, we see it in Scripture, God is not leaving us in our struggles. He is not absent from your circumstance. Amen. Amen, somebody. God is not absent. He is with you in the midst of those struggles and in those trials, just like he was with Jacob. And so, I thought that, that this point 
from, uh, we're going to be looking over Psalm 51. Psalm 51 was a prayer of restoration from David. And so I think this is a good example of a response from someone who wronged God. He was horrible sin. He committed adultery. But now he had a response. Just like how Jacob had a response. Let's look at David's response. Here's what it says. Psalm 51, 1 to 10, or 1 to 13. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, according to your abundant compassion. Blot out my rebellion. Completely wash away my guilt. Cleanse me from my sin, for I am conscious of my rebellion. My sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you are right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self. You teach me wisdom deep within. Verse 7. Purify me with hyssop, I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let my bones that you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins. Blot out all my guilt. God, create a clean heart for me. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me. Sustain me by giving me a willing spirit. Then I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners return, will return to you. David was super honest about his rebellion to God, right? He was saying, God, I have sinned. I have wronged you and only you. And we see his response. And so we also saw Jacob's response. Jacob was living this life of self-centeredness, of, of blessing me, of lying to his brother and his dad, and, and wrestling with God, saying, you, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And so here we see Jacob's response and then turning to being devoted to God and selling up, setting up this altar where he's going to um, memorialize it. And here we also see in the Old Testament, David returning and responding in a proper way to God, saying, God, you know what? This, this, is, this sin, it, it's, I cast it at your feet. And I ask that you would restore the joy of salvation in me. And I love 13 because verse 13 says, I will teach the rebellious your ways. I'm going to go make disciples is what he's saying. Once, hey, when you restore me and I'm good, I'm going to go tell others about your restoration power. Amen. And so here we have Jacob who trusted in God and he went from deceiver to his name change, Israel, or wrestling with God. And so, in this change, we see that this is, this is Jacob, and he is taking this in, no longer living to self. He is dying to self, memorializing this, this place with God. So do you remember that story that I opened with about the broken frame and how my coworker was leaving? So, in the same way, this frame could represent our lives, our brokenness, our lives, this broken frame that, hey, with Gorilla Glue and Liquid Nails, I was not bringing this frame in its original state. It was jacked up and there was no bringing that frame together. But what was cooking at the trophy shop? A new one, right? A bright, new, shiny frame. And my homie had no clue that this other frame broke. He was given 
this free gift as he departed to his new duty location, free of charge. Hey, thank you for your service. Here you go. God bless you on your journey. He didn't even know that that other frame that I thought was like arts and crafts, like a trinket, he didn't even know that thing existed. All he got was the shiny, new, free frame. And man, that is the restoration power that we see in the life of Jacob. Jacob is, is wrestling and he's lying. And he's, his name is known as the deceiver. And then here in 35, we see a change and we see an exchange happening. We see Jacob no longer being Jacob, but being Israel, one who wrestles with God. And we see him, Jacob, memorializing that by responding with devotion, by building this altar and saying, God, you know what? I'm going to worship you. From here on out, my name is Israel. This is who I'm known as. I'm no longer known as Jacob, but I'm known as Israel. Does that make sense? And so when we see that, that God isn't concerned about any of the cracks or any of the, the brokenness in our life, because, man, I'm telling you, God can restore any crack, any brokenness in our lives. There is nothing too big that He cannot fix and exchange it because He is giving us an exchanged life. We don't stay in this cracked person we are exchanged. This is the great exchange. We are no longer known as who we are, but we are known as a new person. Behold, all things are new. So when our life is in Christ, we're not known by this cracked frame. We're not known as Jarrett the liar through nursing school, but I'm known as Jarrett the son of the Most High God. We are known as children of God when we have Jesus in our lives. Does that make sense? And so when we see this, Jacob, this story of Jacob, encountering El Shaddai, God Almighty, we see that God's power is changing Jacob's life. Point, quick recap. Point number one was God Almighty's mission was not determined by our past. Point number two, God Almighty is reaffirming, right, that promise that was in Jacob. Point number three, God Almighty is now met with devotion. And so, more than 2,000 years ago, right, Jesus came down from heaven and entered into our space, entered into humanity. And so he came to be in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our trials and our circumstances. Many of us, like Jacob, may wrestle with insecurities. You know, Jacob, he was the second born, so he wasn't the firstborn. His name that his parents named him was deceiver. So hopefully we're going to spend a little bit more time, you know, naming our future kids. But he lived with these insecurities like, man, my name means liar, so I'm just going to lie. He lied to his dad. When his dad was old and could barely see, he lied, straight up lied to his dad. He lied to his twin brother. Like straight up, hey, I'm going to give you this for, um, you know, some karum pika and some red rice. Like that's what... Uh, Jacob deceived Esau for. And so here we see this transformation, y'all. We see this transformation of Jacob's life, and now he is devoted and memorializing this, this time in his, his um, relationship with God. And so, in closing, I just wanted to remind us that El Shaddai, God Almighty, we've been in this series about learning about God Almighty, 
El Shaddai, God Almighty, he, that means that he is the God above all gods, that there is nothing higher than him. He is almighty. And so when that is the God we serve, when we think about our lives, we can come to God Almighty and find rest. First service was exhorted during the worship time um, with this verse, and I'll read it here. It is Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. It reads, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying that. Jesus is saying, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so, when we are looking at this story of Jacob, this is our time to respond. This is our time to say, you know what, God? Um, I've lived my life. Um, people have told me that I'm stupid, that I'm ugly, that I'm too skinny, um, that I'm going to be nothing. Those are a lie from the enemy. We need to, that's what this space is for. That's what church is for. We came here to exhort one another, build each other up. Parents, that's what you're for, to build up your children, to shepherd their heart. Because from a young age, we may have been told stuff that taints us. And then when we go into adulthood, like Jacob, who was known as the heel grabber and the liar, he ends up lying to people around him. But, guys, we serve God Almighty who does not dangle our past above our heads. Amen? Amen. And so I'm going to pray. And I want you guys to, to focus on a couple of things, guys. Focus on what is maybe one insecurity, one uh, hiccup, one struggle that you think you're known as oh, I'm always a, a nobody or I'm just going to be addicted to alcohol or I'm just always going to um, you know, run to pornography or I am never going to get a job or I'm never going to be a good parent. What is that one lie that the enemy, the enemy keeps dangling over your head? Because God's purpose and provision will never dangle your past over your head. Amen? So focus on that. And another thing is that I want us to look at, at that response, that response from Jacob, that response from David, and how these, these godly men, they completely did a 180. They died to self, and they said, Holy Spirit, have all of me. I don't know how old you are, but I'm 36. I'm halfway to the average right life expectancy. And so I am doing some, in preparing for this message, God, I am, hey, man, I'm halfway there. Like, how am I doing? How am I doing? Does my life give you glory? Am I devoted to you? Do I know you as El Shaddai, God Almighty? Or is I, am I just trying to do all this for myself? Drive a truck, get a house, have some kids. Like, am I doing that for myself? So focus on those two things, God. Or guys, are we focusing? Um, one, the first thing is focus on... Um, Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Uh, focus on coming to God in our brokenness. That's right. Coming to God in our brokenness, no matter what the enemy may try to say that you are. 
The second thing, focus on God for his, uh, man, just for us to repent and, and say, God, in my self-centeredness and my, my vain pursuits of self, I surrender all to you. Hey, God, I'm halfway there to my average life expectancy. Or God, I've exceeded that life expectancy and now I'm just on borrowed time. Hey, whatever it is. What is one thing that the enemy is lying to you and keeps bringing it up to your face? Or maybe your parents have told you or maybe a teacher or a co-worker has told you? I'm here to tell you that the power of the Almighty God will crush that. That is a lie from the enemy. And then additionally, if, if we are just here Sunday after Sunday, life group after life group, just warming up a seat, and none of this is really real, we're not really internalizing any of this, I encourage you to get on fire for Jesus with whatever life that you have left to live. Get on fire for Jesus. All right, guys, let's go to God in prayer. I'm going to pray and I'm going to seal that in the name of Jesus. Mighty God, we thank you. We thank you for this time that we've had to look at Genesis and Genesis chapter 35. God, we've had some time to look at the life of Jacob and how he was known as the deceiver, the liar. And then he became known as Israel, one who wrestles with God. Father, I pray that we, like Jacob, like David, would respond in a way where we are dying to self and we are choosing you. Holy Spirit, would you just continue to mold us and break us and shape us into the image, little image bearers of who you are. And mighty God, for this second group of people who may have been told lies after lies after lies from the enemy, that we're nobody, that we're worthless, those are lies from the pit of hell. And God, we rebuke those in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would begin to fill those voids in our hearts, Lord, where there has been lies from people who are, we've internalized those things and then manifested them outwardly. Jesus, would you have your way in our life? Father God, we repent. And now, God, we are asking that you take 100% total control of our lives, God. It's no longer us who lives, but it is the El Shaddai, the God Almighty who lives in us and for us. And it's by your power, God, that we are living and we can have this experienced and changed life. And Jesus, if there is nobody, if there are people here who don't even know who you are, Father God, before they pillow their head tonight, before they leave this building tonight, before they leave the Facebook chat group, Father God, would they connect with someone and say, I don't even know who God is and I need to know him. Holy Spirit, continue to pursue those people. And Father God, I just pray that they wouldn't find rest until they find rest in you. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for what you are already doing in our hearts. We look forward to the many, many, many good things that's going to come throughout this week, this month, and this year. We ask and we claim these things in the mighty name of Jesus. All God's people said, Amen. I love you guys. Thank you. Go in the power of Jesus. We've got a lot of exciting things happening in church. Get plugged in. Love you guys. Thank you.